Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today's message is taken from John chapter 13, where we see the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. The title of today's message is Serving Like Jesus. I encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. If you open your Bibles to John chapter 13, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of John. Today our focus is serving like Jesus. There was a man who was at Grand Central Station to catch a train and he suddenly realized that he forgot his watch and so in order to make sure he caught the train in time, he happened to notice a gentleman carrying two suitcases and this guy also had on a high-tech watch, so he says, uh, what, what time is it? And the man looked at him and he said, what country would you like the time for? He's like, well, how many do you have? And he says, all of them in his watch. And he's like, wow, that's quite a, quite a watch you have. He says, well, really, that's nothing. He said, it also has a GPS mechanism in it and can also fax and email. He said, I can even call up TV programs and on the digital LCD screen, I can watch the program. The man is like, wow, that is an incredible watch. He said, would you ever consider selling something like that? And the man said, you know, for me, the novelty's kind of wore off. So he says, um, if you really want it, he said, I'll sell it to you for $900. And the guy about tripped himself over trying to get his checkbook out of his pocket and quickly wrote a check for $900 and handed it to him. And the, man took off the watch and handed it to the man, and as he's putting the watch on his uh, wrist, he also hands him two suitcases, and he said, and here are the batteries. Um, So, you know, time. Uh, We go through a lot of challenges with time. Uh, We are so time-driven. Jesus, even here in this passage, John reminds us of a time that was just before Passover, Uh, So we could understand the context of what was happening here uh, in this story. And so we realize that this is shortly before Jesus is going to give his life on the cross. And so when you think in terms of that, you think in terms of importance. I think of, you know, when you are going to meet with someone for the last time that you're aware of, That's an important meeting. What you want to communicate is very near and dear your heart. And so today, because this topic, Serve Like Jesus, is so important, uh, it's going to take us two Sundays to get through these five points. My challenge today is to get through two, uh, because I want us to really think about what it means to serve like Jesus, and why was Jesus able to serve the way he did And I think it's vital that we understand that this morning. So in the opening verse here, he says, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. These opening verse uh, or two, as I was studying this passage, kind of transformed my thinking about this passage. I have read this passage numerous times. But as I began to really contemplate what Jesus was communicating, even in these opening verses, it revolutionized the way I thought about this passage. And I trust it will touch your heart as well. The first thing here is Jesus served with knowledge. Now you're like, what in the world? Yeah, he served with knowledge. Um, He says at the outset, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. If you look down in verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So by knowing these things, Jesus served with knowledge. What kind of knowledge did Jesus have? He knew that the world was corrupt. He knew that he came to this sin-cursed earth to raise up a group of people who would follow him. He would impart a message and a passion and train and equip them to take this message to the world because he knew the world was corrupt, and that's why he came. If we look even clear back in Genesis, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Jesus knew that. He also knew the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Jesus came with that knowledge, and with that knowledge, he served. Do we really stop and contemplate how corrupt the world is apart from Jesus Christ? Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no hope. And so our service before God will change if we understand how corrupt the world is. I really believe that. I believe if we understand, the more we read our Bible and the more we comprehend the the corruption and depravity of man, the more we will be motivated to serve like Jesus. I really believe that. John 17, 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. This is important because 
Jesus was not going back to the Father, aborting his mission. You see, some people could read into that, well, yeah, he was leaving and the earth was still corrupt. He didn't finish the work and he's going back. He's aborting the mission. The mission was failed and he's retiring. Not even close. He was imparting the last lesson he wanted to give the 12 disciples the most important lesson he wanted to give them. And he says, I finished the work you gave me to do. And he was entrusting that work to 12 men to take the gospel to all the world. Through this illustration, and I see that as incredible, Jesus leaving the world. Notice it says here, for him to leave the world. Let's take a moment and look at that. The world is the cosmos. The cosmos is used 78 times in John, and it's used 15 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that's it. This tells me that the word world or cosmos is very important to the heart of John. Why is that? Well, let's take a look. What is cosmos? It's a place where human beings and animals live. Yeah, that's where we dwell. It's also a place of order and arrangement. God has brought order and arrangement to the cosmos, and it has been upset by sin. But there's another aspect of this in this. It is the people constituting the world whose values, beliefs, and morals are in distinction and rebellion to God's. That is the cosmos. This is the world in which Jesus came to serve. For God so loved the world, the cosmos. He loved people whose values, beliefs, and morals are in distinction and rebellion to God. That's why he came. And that's the world in which we are to serve in and be equipped in. John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world, into the cosmos, to condemn the world, but in order that the world, the cosmos, might be saved through him. The people who are living in rebellion, the people whose morals and values and beliefs are in rebellion to God. That's why he came. And I find that incredible that he came for that reason. Carl Henry sums it up well. The task of the people of God is, as far as possible in a sinful society, to reclaim the cosmos for God's created purpose. God has a created purpose to reconcile the world, the cosmos, to himself. He has left that to 12 men to carry that on generation after generation, and now it's our generation, to carry the torch of the gospel to the next generation, and we cannot do it apart from knowledge. There's a lot of biblical illiteracy in our world. There's a lot of people who will not, for whatever reason, be trained in Scripture. I don't understand it. I don't understand, and the only thing I don't understand is I'm thinking that people do not yet grasp that we are in a corrupt culture, and the only answer is Jesus Christ, and you can sit there, and you can have all the excuses you want of why you can't teach a class or why you can't do that, but you know, if you don't get trained, you see, overseas, 
People will walk to training. (laughs) An hour. They'll sit on a concrete floor to be trained. You have opportunities to be trained and equipped. God has given that to us to do, to be trained, to be equipped. Jesus knew that he was returning to the Father. Didn't he say that? Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power, that he had come from God, he was returning to God. So it's important. He had knowledge that the world was corrupt. He had knowledge that he was returning to the Father. Why is that important? He wasn't going to be here forever. In fact, he was only in the cosmos three years. That's it. Three years. How long am I going to be in the cosmos? How long are you going to be in the cosmos, the world that is in rebellion to God, and what difference am I going to make will be dependent upon what I think my purpose is here on the earth. What is my purpose? What is your purpose? What is the highest purpose we have to serve like Jesus? So that I grow in my knowledge as I read the scripture about the corruption in the world, and I grow in my understanding that I am returning to the Father one day, and life for me will be over. And what difference will it have made that I lived at all? I think that's what Jesus is saying. What difference would it make that he served at all? And what kind of people did Jesus minister to? Look at that in just a moment. Jesus knew he had to train the disciples. He knew he was leaving and he was going to have to entrust that message. My responsibility is to train the next generation. That's my role. That's my responsibility. But you cannot impart something to somebody who doesn't want it. And that's why Paul said in his words to Timothy, Commit what you learn to faithful men who will teach others also. That's a challenge. The, the Bible says the harvest is what? Plentiful. But what about the labors? They're few. There are few people who are really taking up the mantle of training and being equipped. And we have to think about that. I wonder how many people in Syria and Iraq would come to training if they had the opportunity. Just a thought. I just wonder how many of them would come if they had the opportunity As we grasp the knowledge of God, it will translate into greater service. Knowledge is not so that we can win a Bible quiz. (laughs) It's not so that we can quote all kinds of scriptures to the Iwana leader. It will translate into greater service. It has to. That's what will happen if we really take it seriously and get involved in it. As we grow in our knowledge of the world's corruption by studying the word of God, we will have a heavenly mindset that will captivate our hearts to serve like Jesus. It will. That's why the psalmist said, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5 says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
When our boys were knee-high, we took them to nursing homes. And we ministered in the nursing home. And today, they have no fear of wheelchairs and walkers and canes and all those things. They have no fear of being around older people because they served. And we gave them that opportunity. And I'm really glad because now as I'm getting older, they don't mind being around older people. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. But do you see the importance of numbering our days? How important it is? Paul said in Colossians 1.9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The fuller we are of the knowledge of God, the greater our motivation for service. Did you hear me? Let me say that again. The greater... The fuller we are of the knowledge of God, the more motivated we will be to serve like Jesus. The reason Paul prayed this prayer for the believers in Colossae was so they would not be duped into believing a Gnostic teaching and an empty philosophy that would take them away from the idea of having a Christ-like mind. Why? Because having a Christ-like mind allows us to serve like Jesus. And that's why he said, beware, lest they spoil you through philosophy that would pull you away from Christ, pull you away from a godly mindset so that you would not serve like Jesus. There's what I mentioned a moment ago. When we grasp the knowledge that the world is corrupt, that we are returning to the Father, we will have great motivation to serve like Jesus. Jesus also served with love. He served with love. His ministry was couched in love. His love was demonstrated by the way he touched people's lives. In Matthew 9:36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what he saw. And when you go back earlier in chapter 9 and you look at what the people that Jesus touched, here's just a few people that he touched. Jesus healed a paralytic man in the opening verses of John chapter 9. He healed a woman with a bleeding disorder who had a bleeding disorder for 12 years. And he healed her. He raised a girl from the dead. He healed two blind men. And there's one more on there that I didn't get on the PowerPoint was he cast a demon out of a man and delivered him. All in one chapter, John chapter 9. Why? Because his ministry was couched in love. Jesus was showing the full extent of his love. Notice he says in the end, Verse 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. What does that mean, the full extent? Well, it could mean to the end of Jesus' life until he was going to heaven. could mean till the end of the disciples' lives and until they went to heaven. Or it could mean for all eternity. And I think that's what it's talking about. 
He showed them the full extent of his love, that it was going to be there in eternity as well. Jesus served with passion. His whole heart was devoted to God's mission. Paul served like Jesus. It says in Romans 1.9, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you. He served with all of his heart. And it's interesting, when it talks about those words, I serve, it actually includes the idea of worship. Our service is worship to the Lord. And so if we are going to serve like Jesus, we are going to worship like Jesus. And we have to do that with all of our heart, everything we have, our whole being. We worship God. Paul was saying, I have a strong desire to come and serve Jesus. I have a strong desire to build up the people in Rome in the gospel, that they would be effective in sharing their faith and be effective in bringing people to Christ. In Hebrews 9.14, this same idea of serving and worship is included when these words were written. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We've been cleansed from dead conscience that we might serve and worship God. Now Jesus, if we're going to serve like Jesus, let's stop for a moment and think about What kind of people was he serving in John 13? It was the 12 disciples. He was no longer with the crowds. He was no longer with the big groups. He was no longer with the Pharisees. He was with the inner circle. It was his family. These were the people he was imparting his message to, and he wanted to leave his greatest life lesson to. But who were they? Who was Peter? He was a coward. He denied Christ. Did he not? Three times? (laughs) And Jesus washes the feet of a man who will deny him. Who was Thomas? Thomas was one who did not believe that Jesus was resurrected. Did Jesus know that Thomas was going to have those doubts? Yeah. Did he still wash his feet? Yes. Who was Matthew? He was a tax cheat. He robbed people for money. So the people that Jesus ministered, you say, well, if I had those kind of guys to work, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. You know, there are so many people who say, I will not serve because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Well, look here. Look right here. If you are looking for perfection in the church, Stop. If you're looking for perfect people who don't make mistakes and who do everything the way you want it to be done, stop. That's, that's unrealistic. Jesus puts all the flaws in there, and I'm encouraged that he wants to use me at all. I'm encouraged that he wants to use a group of people at Bethesda Church to accomplish something that's never been accomplished before, 
because we didn't have the opportunity before. That God placed a pile of money in our lap to purchase property next door for what? I don't know what, but can we at least say, you know what, God, I want to be trained so that I can serve like Jesus and I can make an impact for the cause of Christ. Because just a week ago, Wednesday, I think it was, we had 13 children give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ at Bethesda Church. We need to teach them to serve like Jesus. And how are we going to do that? By serving like Jesus ourselves. I had the opportunity to visit Helene's class this morning. What a joy it was to see around those two tables were full of third and fourth grade kids, and all of them had their Bibles open, ready to learn about Jesus. What an awesome thing. And four of them, I think it was four, had given their lives to Jesus Christ in the last week or two. Four kids around that table. What a joy. But what a responsibility we have. If we were going to serve like Jesus, we have to grow in our knowledge and understanding. You see, some people have the gifting, but they lack either the experience, the knowledge, or the passion. We can do something about one of those, (laughs) but I can't give you passion. I can't give you experience. I can help impart knowledge. And hopefully that knowledge would translate into the desire for greater service. I challenge you to go home and look at your calendar and pay attention to where all your time goes. Do you have time to serve? It's just a question. Because what is the sum total of my life when it's over? What's it going to be? It's so vital. Paul talked to the Colossian church and he said, he talked about their love for all the saints. In Ephesians 1, he talked about their love for all the saints. In 1 Thessalonians 1, he says, your labor prompted by love. You see, that is the other motivating factor in serving like Jesus is that we have a love for people. That we care about the lost. We're concerned about their eternal soul. That we're concerned about believers being trained and built up in their faith. That I want to serve like Jesus. That's what it's all about. I'm reminding of An MIT meteorologist, Edward Lorenz, he ran some routine experiments and he found some unusual results. He discovered that seemingly tiny and insignificant changes in his data could produce huge differences in the final result. At first, Lorenz and other scientists in the field of chaos theory called this the sensitive dependence on initial data. Fortunately, later on, Lorenz used a simpler term, the butterfly effect. In 1972, Lorenzo presented a scientific paper entitled Predictability. And here's what he asked. Does the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? (laughs) 
According to Lorenz's theory, the butterfly's wings flapping doesn't actually cause a tornado. But he said it can start a chain reaction leading to giant changes in worldwide weather patterns. In other words, even tiny, insignificant movements or actions can produce huge changes that affect millions of people. The Bible talks about the butterfly effect for the spiritual life. According to Jesus, it's the small things we do. Making a meal for someone. Praying for someone. Visiting someone who is lonely. Is that simply the pastor's job or the job of the leadership? Or do you have four wheels and a key? you have a telephone? And would you be involved in serving like Jesus? Are we moved enough in our heart to say, you know what? I want my life to count. So that when I leave this earth, I've made an impact for Christ because I was willing to serve like Jesus. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to challenge you this morning. Where's your knowledge on the scripture? And what are you doing to change your knowledge about the scripture? Do you understand the world is corrupt? Do you understand that we are all going to the Father? Our time is limited, our days are numbered. How are you impacting the cosmos, a world that is in rebellion to God for the cause of Christ, for his kingdom? You know, we have a lot of talented people in this church, a lot of gifted people. Are you using it? For the Lord? Are you serving with your whole heart? Or is there something less significant that is crowding it out? God help us that we stand before Him one day and we hear, Well done, thou good and faithful. Servant. It implies somebody who's been serving like Jesus. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't even have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid the penalty for your sin in full. My friend, you cannot get rid of your corruption. Jesus died for it. You and I could be forgiven and cleansed so that we could serve the living God. I invite you to invite Jesus Christ into your heart and life right where you stand today. Make him your Savior and Lord. 
and begin to serve him with your whole heart. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.